Today's November 3rd. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, uh, Ghanai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, or non-status, across T- Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I'll share what I think I know as I walk down my red road. I'm Michelle Robinson. I was born as Cal... I was born here in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English name, which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yolan Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11, and I'm native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area called Clincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, given to me in ceremony by a Cree elder, Paul Morin. But I am trying to learn how to say it um, in Blackfoot by my Blackfoot elder. So my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to properly pronounce my own name. Um, Meko Cheese Chase to Komhoke, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. I'm trying. Sorry. So with that, I want to say my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. So I want to say thank you to Amanda, Amy, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Dustin, Joni, Judy, Julie, Kenna, Matt, Nathan, Sharon, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. And we are now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Nativecalgarian.com is also up. Violence is my everyday reality. Uh, Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people do not want to hear. Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us there. So usually by people who know nothing about being Indigenous, knowing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. Just typical microaggressions. And the other side is people dealing with internalized racism, people who are gatekeepers that survive off of the status quo, or people who are really in their trauma and stop people from doing work and deplete their personal resources. So internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And it's interesting because I, you know, needed a podcast to be heard because even today on some of the Indigenous networks, 
you know, more space is being given to non-Indigenous to speak about Indigenous issues than some of the Indigenous women I even know. So my hope is that one day my daughter and my family will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they understand. Now, I always do that land acknowledgement uh, to really create a safer space for Indigenous people, but to also educate non-Indigenous on the land that we're on. But I also um, recently met a fellow named Harlan, and he really said it best when he said, you know, it's like walking into somebody's house and never acknowledging the, where you are. And what a great way to put it is that, you know, here I am in Blackfoot Territory, now Treaty 7, with all of the nations in this area, the Sutina, and to never acknowledge, um, you know, being in somebody's house on someone's land, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? So anyway, with that, I wanted to, um, I actually want to start off with a bit of a joke. There was this really great article by the Beaverton, and uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Beaverton admits, or begins Tinder date with a land acknowledgement. Upon seeing another in person for the first time at a local dive bar, internet activist Dylan Sanders introduced himself to his date, Rebecca Holder, by way of a ceremonial acknowledgement to the traditional caretakers of the land in which we, they were meeting. Toronto is in the dish with a spoon territory, Sanders carefully explained to his date, who had previously been made aware of this fact on many occasions. The dish with one spoon is a treaty between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and Haudenosaunee, he continued, while taking extreme care to overpronunciate the names of each nation. <laughs> I can't go on. It's so ridiculously funny. I just, I, I, um, I shared it on Facebook and said, um, if you felt that small tremor today, it was the random belly laughs erupting from folks reading that article because there is a lot of conversation about the importance of land acknowledgement but in a lot of ways it is a bit of a joke because uh even in beaverton which normally doesn't get indigenous uh you know jokes that well they actually did get it in in a good way here where they talked about you know it's a nice gesture but um it doesn't mean anything um how did they put it i'm Land or tutorial acknowledgements are an increasingly popular way to begin gatherings where people wish to recognize the continuing history of indigenous people in North America and can also be used by white people to feel like they are the good guys without actually engaging in any sort of concrete action. <laughs> okay, that's so funny at so many levels. But the first one being, of course, that a lot of non-indigenous people actually have no concept of what they're saying when they say a land acknowledgement. So anyway, I thought it was funny to start off in that way. If you have any questions about that, if you're actually in person, I can do like a 45 minute conversation about land acknowledgement. Um, I did one the other day and it ended up going an hour and a half, which was absolutely wonderful because people were um, genuinely engaging and it was actually quite a small group. Usually I have bigger groups and, uh, you know, it takes a lot to get engagement. So Anyway, I just thought I'd start off with a bit of a joke because this episode's probably going to be quite heavy. Um, for other cultural safety and action, I really, you know, want to acknowledge there are lots of marginalized people in this world. Aside from Indigenous, we have people of color, LGBTQ2+, and the best way to make a safer space for people to be is putting that cultural safety into action. 
So do something because having a good intention is not enough, as we joked about in the Beaverton article, to uh, take change and make change. Take action and make change. Speak out against racism, ask questions of those with more understanding, and create a support system. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people. Take time for self-reflection. Beware of your bias and assumptions. I'm about to do a speech that I hope help people understand this concept. Uh, Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. I want to say thank you to heretohelp.bc.ca for what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Um, I also want to talk a bit about internalized racism. And you can always Google internalized racism to find out more of the different dimensions of racism. And Donna Bevins has uh, racialequitytools.org to learn more about what internalized racism is or what we call lateral violence. Um, Yeah, and I just wanted to throw a shout out there again for acknowledging something called racial battle fatigue. And that's when you're talking about racism or experience racism so much in a, you know, white colonial world that it's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And you have to answer questions that are asked you in a way that is clearly, you know, there's no anti-racism training there at all. So I'm throwing all that out there. I'm hoping that my listeners will listen and and tell me what they think of those concepts. Um, What to do, bystander intervention by the American Friends Service Committee. Actually, I read this at every one of my podcasts. But I wanted to talk a a little bit about an Edmonton example. Very recently, there was um, a woman who went on some kind of awful tirade to some Indigenous people on a bus to the point um, they called a pregnant woman fat. Um, There was a woman with a baby. And this woman was just going off on these people. It was awful. So anyway, the bus driver actually stopped and apparently has been taking, so hats off to the city of Edmonton and the city transit people for taking de-escalation techniques, because that's apparently what this person was using to get rid of this other person that was being a nuisance on the bus. So there was a new article that came out and they, they interviewed the victim and she talked about how grateful she was for those interventions. And apparently this is, uh, she she was videotaping it in order to protect herself. So like I talk about all of these, um, what to do, the do's and don'ts of bystander intervention. And here this woman took it upon herself, did a great job of, of uh, taking care of herself. Of course, she was an Indigenous woman, just pointing that out. And um, so I'm, I'm telling you about that article because it works. It wor- these techniques work. These techniques help people protect themselves in a situation where there's some kind of harassment or interpersonal violence um, a marginalized person is experiencing in public. So if you witness public instances of racism, anti-Black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, or any other form of oppressive uh, violence and harassment, use these tips on how to be safe. 
First of all, make your presence known as a witness. Make eye contact with the person being harassed. Ask them if they want support. Move closer to the person being harassed. You know, if you can do so, create a barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so, record the incident. Um, try to get consent. Take cues from the person being harassed. Uh, notice if people are, you know, don't tone police somebody in this situation. Do everything you can to keep the both of you safe. Um, and don't necessarily call the police for a lot of communities experiencing harassment right now, whether you're Muslim, Arab, Black, queer, trans, Indigenous, immigrant. Sometimes the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed unless they tell you to call and then, of course, call. Don't escalate the situation. This is what I'm talking about. When the Edmonton Transit did some de-escalation techniques, anyone can Google this. I don't got time for anybody pretending like they don't know what I'm talking about. When I'm so freaking old that I would have to know when the library was open, make time to go to the library, make time to go into the encyclopedias, you know, write down whatever I needed to write down because I knew I wasn't allowed to take the encyclopedias, and then go home. And now y'all have this like computer in your hand that you can Google all of this information right now. So if you're, you know, sitting alone in the bus and you're all scared and you're like, oh man, what's de-escalation techniques? You probably can Google it in the middle of a confrontation. Like seriously, you have no excuses. You should all know this now. So don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous to speak out, just stay with the person being harassed to so show your support with your body. And, you know, thankfully, the news, you know, did a follow-up. And, and this woman, she apparently broke down after she got home, which I don't blame her. But, you know, this is a great example where if somebody was on that bus and went with her and, you know, helped her have some tea and calmed her down and, and just get, left their information even with her so that she could talk about it later at a time where she is, you know, in a better emotional space. You know, you can do these things. It's being a good neighbor. Just be a good neighbor to your people. So I'm probably going to be talking about some stuff that is really difficult to talk about today. So if you're experiencing any emotional distress or want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Also, if you are, you know, in a major urban city like Toronto or Calgary, then don't hesitate to contact the distress center. Of course, I'm I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of those places don't have cultural understanding. So it might be in your best interest to go to the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline first. Uh, but if they're busy, please don't uh, give up. There's distress lines. Um, here in Calgary, we have Aotan Healing Lodge. So, you know, there's these are touchy subjects. And I know sometimes this can rigor, really trigger people. So with that, let's move on by acknowledging that today is the anniversary of the death of Janelle Squirrel. And um, it actually uh, was really interesting. Yesterday I gave, I was part of a panel discussion and I gave a, a speech and I said that I would give my speech on this podcast because um, it wasn't necessarily aired for everybody. Unfortunately for all of you listening to me right now, 
what you're, you missed was an amazing opportunity from many people. Uh, so first of all, the Faculty of Social Work at the UFC put together a wonderful um, lunchtime panel. We had uh, an elder, Adrian, who opened up and uh, you know what? He actually was deciding whether or not he should do it because it was also the anniversary yesterday for one of his sisters that had gone missing. And um, so when he did the pray or the prayer, he, he prayed <laughs> when he did the, his prayer, we prayed for the families that are still looking and um, working to remember the positive parts of the people who passed on or are missing. And um, I was, you know, really struck by that because how hard for him to be coming to a, a conversation about our breaking point on Cindy Gladue and talk about, you know, missing and murdered Indigenous women on the anniversary of his sister going missing. So, it, you know, I, I just want to give a shout out to all the families that are that are out there that are wondering where their loved, lost one is, their loved one. Or, you know, on the flip side, going through all of the devastating news of finding out how they were um, passed on. Again, violence against Indigenous women in Canada, just a normal, regular thing. And um, I'll talk about some of my own experiences later. And I just wanted to, again, thank the UFC for giving us some space to talk about Cindy Gladue because not enough people are aware of this issue and not enough people understand the violence Indigenous women face. So I started off with, uh, you know, one of our, our cultural knowledge keepers doing a prayer, but he's also a part of the Alberta Men's Network on Violence Prevention. So we have some uh, great people doing some great work there and uh, had, you know, a, a great presentation from the Indigenous Cultural Education and, and Protocol Specialist at the UFC and talked about some of the, you know, indigenization that they're trying to do at the UFC. And I, I don't mean that glibly. I know everyone is working really hard. I've seen a report that came from the UFC that gave me a lot of hope. So, you know, there's there's little bits of light here and there. And the hope is for the next generation, it's going to be better, right? Um, but what you really missed to my listeners was a fantastic presentation by Josie Nipponak, the executive director of Aotan Healing Lodge. Um, she focused on, on Cindy Gladue, uh, but she also talked a lot about missing and murdered Indigenous women in general, as well as locally. And of course, she even told me beforehand she was going to put up a picture of Janelle Squirrel, but when I seen it, for some reason, it just hit me really hard. So it was... Uh, pretty incredible to uh, to witness her just talk about this issue. And uh, we only had a short period of time to talk. And I knew it was going to go over because, you know, there's breaks for pizza. And you always start a couple of minutes late. And it, it just worked out that I knew I wouldn't have a lot to speak on. And um, she would have a presentation. So um, I knew in advance that this is kind of what we were getting ourselves into. So with that, I I wanted to give at least the speech that I gave so that my listeners, I mean, we all listen in different ways. We all hear in different ways. Um, some people like to be in present. Some people can't be present at the time. What do you do? Um, 
Some people listen to a podcast because this is a good medium for them. Some people watch videos, la da la da da da. So maybe I'll uh, try to put some work towards videos when I do my podcast so that that way we can have different mediums for everyone who learns slightly different, right? So I, I did this speech. Uh, I'll just uh, read it out. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders, language keepers, as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. My mistakes are my own. Oki. I'm Mekochi Chase Tokom Hoki, or Red Thunder Woman and Blackfoot. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me great privilege. Um, since most of you have already heard me say this, I'll just move on. I'm... I'm the Indigenous Liaison for 12 Community Safety Initiative, a committee member of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Calgary Committee, a co-founder of Voices, a group advocating for the Two-Spirit and queer people of color in Calgary, and I am the National Vice Chair of Membership and Organization of the Indigenous Peoples Commission. I am also the first First Nation to run for City Council, and I now have a podcast called Native Calgarian. I want to thank Adrian for starting off, us off on a good way and gently guiding me and so many others to be humble and soft in our walk down the red road. I want to thank um, Pamela for explaining the important changes happening at the UFC to make this a safer place for the next generation for Canadians and Indigenous, and I'm honored to hear the work you're doing. I thank Josie for mentoring me and including me repeatedly in these important conversations about violence against Indigenous women and families. I thank Lisa and the UFC for having these important, difficult, racist and sexist discussions of violence. I ask you to listen with your heart. There are many, there are times that I have a hard time talking about these issues as I'm keenly aware of the misinformation about Indigenous people that have resulted in a dehumanization of Indigenous people the culture, and land due to Canada's long-standing history of propaganda against Indigenous people. The first issue I have to deal with are the biased attitudes towards our people and myself. First, we are pan-Indigenized in the eyes of Canada. We're not seen for our, our distinctive nations, our rich cultures, intricate languages. So if one of us makes a mistake, it's not only expected, but it adds to the stereotypes perpetrated by the government of Canada about Indigenous. I start my speeches to deconstruct negative thoughts by acknowledging I pay taxes, by acknowledging I didn't get a free university education, and that my contribution to society as a worker, a geomatic drafter, a former business owner, and a, a past and current candidate for city council, along with my volunteer work, is worthy of respect as it would be for someone else who doesn't identify as Indigenous. I have to prove my humanity, and that I don't lead a high-risk lifestyle, a stereotype that we've been given in order to even begin conversations. We don't see printed in media the structural and legislative imbalances imposed by the Canadian government onto Indigenous people that result into poverty-related traumas, addiction, overall colonial violence. When I say my mistakes are my own, my hope is that you do not look down on Indigenous people as a whole, or Indigenous women, the Dene Nation, or my humanity. But that is my reality today as an Indigenous woman standing before you. 
On the flip side, the structural racism perpetrated by the Canadian people onto Indigenous has also created structures of internalized racism and sexism that many people call lateral violence. So when I say my mistakes are on me, my hope is that the Indigenous in the room don't look down on the Dene, the Satu Dene, Indigenous women, or worse, themselves in any way. We are proud people in a ridiculous situation in Canada, but the normalized racism and segregation in Canada makes these struggles invisible to non-Indigenous. While those types of structures are in place and valid, I really don't care about those issues nearly as much today as I do about respecting Cindy Gladue's children, her mother, her extended family, her legacy, and her dignity. As the Alberta injustice system and all levels of government have already perpetrated on her, this dehumanization is the root of the Cindy of the case for Cindy Gladue and the reason why we're here, and it's our breaking point. The facts are accessible for all to read in the reports and the news articles. On June twenty second, two thousand eleven, Cindy Gladue was found deceased. By the end of March two thousand fifteen was very hard on the Indigenous community, particularly those of us affected by violence against Indigenous women, with the non, or well, with the acquittal verdict of Bradley Barton, the white truck driver who was freed by two ends of the courts playing semantics on the method of death, using Cindy Gladue's sacred sexual organs as talking points instead of honoring her life and giving her justice. I wanted to give you a snapshot of this moment from my perspective. Josie and the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Calgary Committee had just wrapped up a roundtable of families with missing or murdered loved ones at the John Dutton Theatre, with then-Indigenous Affairs critic Carolyn Bennett in the crowd as a witness. We were focused on getting a report prepared to wrap up the conversations in a, res- re- a presentable and respectful manner to give to influential politicians and policy people to honour those heartbreaking truths. When the verdict came out, we were well aware the issues of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit was not on the radar of the current federal government, and the atmosphere was of incredible disbelief that there wasn't more outcry. At times, it was so heavy it was suffocating. When the call went out, Josie initiated the Calgary call-out that we must participate in the national outcry against this verdict. Our team went to work. I got a friend, Ryan Rose, from Community Wise to lend us their speaker. Angela Sturrett did the posters for all of the rallies nationally. Locally, Chantal Chagnon did a press release, and we all got our speeches together. On the day of the rally, April 2nd, Cheryl Chagnon Grayeyes, who is now running for the Green um, Party, was gifted tobacco, and she did our opening prayer. The police were asked in advance and thanked for coming. We used our words to honor Cindy as a mother, an auntie, a niece, a sister, and a daughter. We passed journals, pens, and sticky notes to give to the family. I said the statement from the Gladue family, from Donna Gladue, the mother of Cindy Gladue, and we gave a moment of silence for Cindy. When I spoke about community building, thanks in a huge way to the work of Idle No More, and we all gave resources to 211, the Distress Centre in Calgary and Lethbridge, and encouraged all to reach out to each other that survived trauma. We spoke of injustices and turned to restorative justice models of each nation. While originally we had a petition that day, the 
Alberta Crown Prosecution said that they would appeal the acquittal. Their statement read, The death of Cindy Gladue was shocking and appalling. It resulted in significant harm to her family and the community, and the ACPS continues to take that very seriously, has an appeal from the acquittal, has been filed, and the case remains before the court. It is inappropriate to comment further at this time. And that's what the Chief Crown Prosecutor of Alberta Solicitor General um, Edmonton Prosecutions had said. Her name is Michelle Doyle. September 25th, just recently, was the second rally we had for Cindy Gladue called our Breaking Point. It was at the same location that we had the first one, Harley Hodgkin's Gardens. A community conversation on the treatment of Cindy Gladue and violence against Indigenous women in Canada's criminal justice system. The purpose was community conversations. To center community voices um, is essential in conversations about transformative change in the Canadian justice systems. To inform and empower communities to understand and respond to injustices facing Indigenous women at the Canadian criminal justice system. We had uh, opening remarks by myself and Josie. We had um, a spokesperson from Elizabeth Fry speak. We had uh, the mother of Joey English and the auntie of Colton Crochu speak, as long as other community members. Um, Awuton Healing Lodge had prepared fact sheets. We gave out a few gift bags to our speakers. And unfortunately, there were new faces, new non-Indigenous faces, who had recently had uh, a violent death in their family come as well in solidarity. Of course, we know the facts of the case and know that we're still waiting for any justice with this case. Today, we have a change in government, a missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit inquiry, and lots of talk about reconciliation. Now we're aware of other equally awful verdicts from Tina Fontaine's trial to Colton Bushy, and locally, we had Joey English's body not buried whole and her family left grieving. Indigenous need to be seen as people. Canadian society needs to change with anti-racism training, Indigenous education, and self-reflection, all listed in the 94 calls to action by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Seeing all the images of people dressed up as Indigenous for Halloween or a logo on a sports jersey, while our people are not allowed in with regalia in a U.S. court, illustrates the continued dehumanization present today. No longer are the excuses that resources aren't available. Now it's just a matter of what medium does the of media do you prefer? There's podcasts, videos, books, articles, reports, documentaries. So many available that I couldn't even dream of as a child. You know, I looked up the definition of humanize. Funny enough, English dictionary, Oxford said to make something more humane or civilized give something a human character. Well, I found it so telling in a society that has been told for 400 years Indigenous are savage, uncivilized, and lack all the qualities of modern society. I wanted to tell all the people in the room that as future social workers, you know, they should know about the pipeline of child apprehension, how it leads to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit cases. But sadly, all I could ask was that if you take nothing more from my words is that you check your biases, your assumptions, your stereotypes. 
you've been told your entire life before assessing Indigenous people's issues and possible child apprehension. Humanize Indigenous people by knowing so-called high-risk lifestyles are not by choice, but by design through the Indian Act. The hopes that Cindy Gladue's death is properly honored with some justice and that her death is known as an act of colonial violence should be obvious to Canadians, but it's not because of a lack of education on these Canadian-imposed systems. Question those institutions that act as barriers for Indigenous. That knowledge should be part of the solution of stopping the genocide Indigenous have faced since we discovered Christopher Columbus, Columbus on the shores. Humanize our people and our experiences will be a part of the path of change. Masi Cho to my elders, mentors, colleagues, and ancestors for guiding me here today and finding these words to say. Masi Cho to all of you for hearing my words with your heart. And that's how I ended my speech. Um, obviously, I would have loved to talk more about, you know, how awful it is during crisis to um, have to deal with, you know, police, media, all sorts of things. But I really had hoped that people would get from my speech the dehumanization Indigenous feel. If the first thing people do when they meet me is to assess how high risk is my lifestyle, clearly their bias and assumptions need challenging. But that's my reality, and that's part of the violence I face every single day. Uh, and I wanted to just, you know, do a shout out to that one article that I was referencing, and it's uh, Yama or Yak. Yakima Nation Tribal Council Chairman uh, Goody was denied access Tuesday to a U.S. Supreme Court hearing unless he removed his traditional feathered headdress, which he didn't. So, and that was listed in the Seattle Times. So, if you want to check it out, I, I would love for that. So, as always, my solutions are, you know, the justice calls to action. Well, all of the 94 calls to action. Uh, another thing that um, I recently found out because of the conversation we had, um, there was a wonderful little booklet that was put together called Our, Big, Our Breaking Point, uh, Canada's Violation of Rights in Life and Death. And this was put together by the Advancement of the Institute of Advancement of Indigenous Women up in Edmonton. And... Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's beautiful. It looks like this is Christy Belcourt's um, design around all of the pages, and of course on the front is Angela's work that she put together for uh, Cindy Cladju's rallies that we had used. This um, book is really comprehensive, but it, it's hard to read as well. They have a list in the back of a lot of the women that have gone missing or murdered, and it lists uh, 997 of them, which is uh, really difficult. And in the back is, uh, is a picture of Cindy Gladue's mother, Donna, and her daughter, Brady, and um, Brandy, sorry, in Edmonton, and a picture that was used in a great article about humanizing Cindy Gladue, because unfortunately, so many weren't, and it was actually Adrian, our our elder, who had talked about whether or not people believe it. Robert Picton got to tell the narrative 
of every single victim that was found on his farm as a sex worker when that wasn't necessarily the case, actually. And the idea that the media let him basically tell the story was so dehumanizing. And unfortunately, that's just the case for Indigenous women and the violence that we face every single day are these regular conversations that just get taken out of context. And again, because people have so many assumptions and bias against Indigenous people, you know, our our story is never actually told. So that's the power of this podcast is that I actually get to speak for myself and I don't get silenced by other people and other people don't get to tell that narrative. And unfortunately, because we're not there yet, I, I'm still on this podcast trying to break down narratives that so many people don't understand we, we face every single day. And it's not something that by choice that I could stop doing. It, it's either I ignore it and move forward or I don't. And again, that's what that racial um, fatigue is all about, is hearing all of these things that are said that are wrong, questions that are wrong, Um, I had some major microaggressions that I'm actually going to save for my next podcast, which I I hope will come out right away, um, that I experienced really recently to try to explain what microaggressions are to people. So, you know, again, if you're experiencing any emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, never give up. There's uh, suicide lines, and there are distress center lines nationally, so please don't give up if you ever feel like you just need to talk, or maybe you don't want to talk, but just reach out anyway. Um, I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her that I get to be a second-generation Calgarian. And uh, thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism to our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to thank you to previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I would love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. And with that, I say thank you.